You're listening to Speak Lord. I'm Ryan Rogers. Listen to this wisdom in Acts chapter 15, verse 19. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. I agree with that judgment. If someone is turning to God, why would you trouble them? So these are the words of James. He was presiding over the Jerusalem Council. It was a decision that the church, the early church had to make. And what what caused them to have discussion and some sharp disagreement was back in chapter 15, verse 1. It says, But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, can you see how that would be troubling to a Gentile who's coming to Christ? Can you see also how it would be troubling to the apostles and passionate believers who knew that they were saved by the grace of God and they saw miracles and they saw that their own unworthy lives were received by Jesus and they know that others are called into this fellowship? Wouldn't it trouble them when people start teaching that, you know, you actually can't be saved unless you do this certain thing? That was a a threat to this beautiful gospel that they were giving their lives for. So as they discuss and different ideas are shared, James says, here's my judgment. If they're coming to God, let's not trouble them. Then he gives some some things that he says, you know, these are basics. Let's, let's tell them about these things. And they write a letter and it seemed good to them and to the Holy Spirit that they should do these entry-level basic things And there's other things down the road, but we don't want to trouble you because you're turning in the right direction and we don't want to make it hard. I began studying this verse with these these kind of thoughts when I was preparing for a sermon that I preached a few weeks ago called Hypocritical Evangelism. So you can find that full message. And what I'm sharing today is things I didn't share in that message or things that have come to me after that. It sparked a lot of conversation about what it means to be a hypocritical evangelist. So this is just really an overflow of that message. If you want more, you can go look that one up. Hypocritical evangelism. And in that message, I defined the the term hypocritical evangelism as calling people to religion while keeping them from God. Calling people to religion while keeping them from God. Jesus hates it because He wants people united with God. That's the whole message of salvation. He loves us. He wants to be with us. He died to unite us back with him. And so if there's a form of religion that you can be successful in being religious and not be united with God, that's terrible because you have no more uh, need in you to change. You're already religious. So Jesus really hates hypocritical evangelism. And we can participate in it in so many ways. One of the ways... I explored in the message was that we can shut doors in people's face. That's what it says in um, Matthew chapter 23. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You don't go in yourself and you don't allow others to go in. And here's the, the crazy thing. If you're a Christian and if you go to a church is that you don't have to be active in shutting doors to trouble people who are coming to Christ. You can passively trouble them just by not making it easy for them to find God. See, as a church, 
we communicate just by existing that we are a place where people might expect to find God. We're the house of God. So when people come and they don't find him, even if we never, we didn't even say hi to them. We didn't do anything. We can't be held liable. If we didn't provide a path for them to come to God, then they experienced a form of false advertising. They thought, this is the place to find God. Why is he not here? See, I cringe at the possibility that someone might grow up in my church. I'm a pastor. And so if someone grew up in my church under my leadership and never got the idea that God is accessible, that, that makes me cringe. Maybe they never saw somebody in all the years of growing up. They never saw somebody who was living in an intimate walk with God and just glowing with, um, with spiritual life. And they never had it modeled to them that this is the standard, that we can be 100% given to God and we can be filled with him and growing with him. And they just thought lukewarm Christianity was all there was. So they, they were troubled. And they were troubled in their path to know God because they never saw modeled to them someone who actually found him in a real way. I don't want that to be my church. There's a book in my office called Holy Humor, and my daughter opened it one day while I was working. She was being patient, trying to find something to do while I finished up my stuff, and she read a bunch of the jokes, and she discovered that most of the jokes aren't holy and they aren't humorous. So one of them was sad and just had this little boy saying, God, we went to your house today and you weren't there. That's not a joke. That is just a sad reflection on a hypocritical church that says, uh, you know, people expect to find God in his house, but they don't always find that. Sometimes we do what James judged we should not do. We trouble those who are turning to God. Um, In that message, hypocritical evangelism, I was focusing on the fact that when we convert people, we should convert them to Christ every time because there were converts that were brought into the, they were successfully converted, but they were converted to the wrong thing. They became proselytes, converts, and they became twice as much a, a child of hell as the religious leaders who converted them. So they were converted to an unholy thing. And history has a lot of examples of insincere conversions. You might know Charlemagne who marched across all of Europe and was crowned the Holy Roman Emperor. Well, he used Christianity as a, a center point of his, um, of his work, and he converted his entire army simply by marching them through a river and declaring them baptized. So I suggest that when it is the result of marching orders, it usually doesn't result in people coming into the kingdom. Uh, In other examples, the church has countless crusades and inquisitions where they extended to people the options, convert or die. And that is an effective message in producing converts. But it's not inviting them to the kingdom. We have sad statistics in our own church of uh, numbers of people being baptized through evangelistic efforts and then in the short months to follow, how many of those are never seen in the church again. These are conversions, but they didn't help people find God. So maybe some of those were turning to God, but 
there was no path that led them like disciples leading other disciples and pointing a way to say this this is where you can find a path to walk with God. I want a church that makes it easy for those who are turning to God to find him because God is accessible. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will not be hidden from you. You don't have to worry about seeking me and then thinking, oh, God didn't want to be found. You'll seek me and you will find me. You know the verse that says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So like James says, why would we, when the door's been open, why would we make it hard for people to find that door? See, the people who were at the Jerusalem Council, they understood the gospel. They understood the invitation of Jesus and that it wasn't a complicated invitation that Jesus has a high bar of how we should live, but he has made the entry point as accessible as possible. Paul says it this way in Romans 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans uh, 10, verse 13, just a few verses later says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, there are other important aspects of religion There are other things that you should know, but not in order to be saved. You can know them because they help you know God, but knowing them is not required for entering the kingdom. That is good news, and that's what James was trying to preserve. He was trying to preserve a church where people could access God without a bunch of hurdles in front of them. See, you have to come on the inside of the kingdom if you're going to get others there. And these people are looking. And the, and the people on the inside, the church said, let's let them find it. There's two terms that we use in theology. We call them sanctification and justification. Justification is being made right with God. It's being saved. Sanctification is becoming more holy. It's becoming like Christ. And this is the process that we take after the point of justification. We're always growing in Christ. That's why there's so many more things we can know even if they aren't saving things. The fact that sanctification comes after justification makes God accessible. We are saved as we are, and then we journey in a beautiful growth process with Jesus becoming more like him. That process is important, but we shouldn't trouble people by assuming that they need to be somewhere in that process in order to turn to God. So what do you think? Was James right? Is there someone in your life who's turning to God? Maybe you could make that path as clear as possible. Maybe you're the one who's turning to God and people made it hard for you. Jesus wants to make that path accessible to you. Let us not trouble those who are turning God. Let's do the opposite. Let's help those who are turning to God find God. How is God speaking to you? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Well, thank you so much for listening to Speak, Lord. And as always, you can find all of our episodes by searching for Speak, Lord, wherever you get podcasts. And you can find more from me at Pastor Ryan Rogers dot com.